This is Fire News Now, bringing you news and information from around the fire service. Proudly brought to you by the NEP Media Network, it's Friday, March 18th, 2022. I'm Jim Molesky. Firefighters from throughout Indiana are still on the scene of a massive fire that broke out Wednesday afternoon at a Walmart distribution center outside of Indianapolis. The fire broke out around noon Wednesday at the warehouse located on All Points Parkway in Plainfield. Fire quickly consumed much of the 1.2 million square foot facility with smoke and embers spreading for miles around. Firefighters battled the blaze for about 30 minutes inside the warehouse before switching to a defensive operation. Plainfield Fire Chief Brett Anderson spoke to reporters from the scene. I, I do know that their, act, their alarm system did activate and our 911 center did, call, did receive calls from their alarm monitoring, but I, I believe it was a an associate that made the first phone call and they, they do have um, some associates here that I think attempted to put the fire out, but they said it was uh, well involved by the time they got to it and, and pretty deep into the storage components and stuff and they just weren't able, able to access it. Anderson said the fire was first spotted by employees on the third floor of the warehouse, but it will take a significant amount of time for investigators to find out exactly what happened. Approximately 1,000 employees were inside the building when the fire broke out. All of them were accounted for with no reported injuries thus far. Nine New York City firefighters and three residents were hospitalized after a fire ripped through a two-story commercial building Monday morning. Firefighters responded just before 10.30 a.m. to Borum Place in Brooklyn, where the fire in a building housing a gym and several apartments quickly grew to three alarms. Fire officials say the stubborn fire was made even more difficult to battle due to a rubberized surface that was used for tennis courts on the roof of the gym. FDNY Acting Chief of Operations John Hodgins spoke to reporters from the scene. One difficulty we had was we lost water pressure early on and uh, we had Department of Environmental Protection come and uh, boost the water pressure and that once we got that going things improved. More than 200 FDNY fire and EMS members responded to the blaze which eventually reached five alarms. None of the 12 people hospitalized, including firefighters, were said to have life-threatening injuries. Los Angeles firefighters responded to a house fire Monday night which left one resident dead. The fire was reported in a century-old home on South Avenue 52 in Highland Park around 11 p.m. Neighbors were trying to get inside to rescue the victim as firefighters arrived, but were driven back by heavy flames. Los Angeles firefighters arrived to find not only fire rapidly spreading through the home, but also threatening surrounding homes on three sides. LAFD Captain Eric Scott spoke to CBS2 Los Angeles from the scene. It was uh, certainly a well-involved fire upon our arrival very heavy flame coming out of the front of this, exposing the nearby homes. It took firefighters about 40 minutes to extinguish the blaze. While they were able to keep the flames from spreading to adjacent homes, firefighters sadly found the body of 29-year-old Mark Almedo inside. Neighbors told reporters that Almedo had a mental disability and had lived in the home with his mother for years. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Earlier this month, Knoxville, Tennessee firefighters responded to a fire in a downtown office building that was thought to be vacant. Instead, when firefighters arrived on scene of the March 2nd fire at North Gay Street and Depot Avenue, they learned there were people inside. One of those people, a woman who called 911, told emergency operators she was trapped in the basement of the building. Knoxville senior firefighter Todd Morse, Captain David Frazier, and firefighter Tyler Burton spoke last week with Knoxville ABC affiliate WATE6 about their successful rescue effort. 
We have a fire, I think, in a building down here by the AT&T building. Uh, when you think of downtown, you don't really think about fires. I mean, you think more residential and uh, outlining areas. Pretty much all the units up here were dispatched to a structure fire, and immediately we started getting dispatch information that there was a woman in the basement trapped. Got ladder one going into the basement to look for the person in there. Visibility was virtually zero when we initially went in. And at this point, we were just very, almost confused. Like, okay, where is this basement? Um, at that point, the crews on ladder one had actually found an entrance to the basement. I don't want to come in. I found the sheriff in the basement. I'm going down. Copy that. Senior firefighter Morse was just in the right spot when the smoke cleared just enough for him to see stairs down. Me and him both had a thermal imaging camera. When we got down to the bottom of the stairs, I gave it a quick scan, and I seen her over there in the corner. And then we went over there to her and told her to come with us. Have the medic unit bring their equipment down here to fire ladder one ASAP. I'm surprised she was still responsive semi whenever we found her just from the amount of smoke that was in that building. Those things, uh, whether luck or providence of God, happened. And uh, and we just, you know, everybody on scene, there were, I think, 22 people on scene. And everybody's got a role and everybody's got a job and everybody did their job great. The dispatchers don't get enough credit. Uh, her being on the phone and trying to relay, hey, I'm in the basement, was a big help to us. That way we can know we need to start looking for a basement. Giving somebody the chance for another day with their family, with their friends, you know, it's uh, it's just a, a really good feeling. The unidentified woman was taken to the University of Tennessee Medical Center for smoke inhalation. The woman also reported that there had been several other people in the basement when the fire broke out, but firefighters found no one else inside. Dallas, Texas City Council approved paid mental health leave for Dallas firefighters and all other city employees to help address recent suicide concerns. Prior to the approval, only Dallas police officers received mental health leave. The recent suicides of two Dallas firefighters helped push the change. Dallas Firefighters Association IFF Local 58 President Jim McDade spoke to Fox 4 Dallas-Fort Worth about this critical situation. We go back many years um, from when we were both rookies on the department. Um, worked together uh, for years and then we were working together at the same fire station. If we can do anything to ever prevent a tragedy like this occurring in the future, then it's 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 our responsibility to uh, do our best to make sure that that happens. It's never been easy for somebody to ask for help and we have to uh, make that a little bit more normal. Dallas firefighters also have access to an employee assistant program, their chaplain's office, and both department and union peer support teams. And in related news, New Jersey lawmakers cleared a bill from the State Assembly Law and Public Safety Committee that would give workplace protections for firefighters, police, and other emergency responders who were diagnosed with work-related post-traumatic stress disorder. The bill cleared by a unanimous bipartisan vote after advocates for the measure argued it's a matter of life or death for their co-workers. The bill, if signed into law, would cover firefighters, paid EMS members, and any federal, state, county, or municipal law enforcement officer. A firefighter from Clifton, New Jersey, who grew up in Ukraine, came up with an idea to gather donated firefighter equipment to send to emergency responders in his war-torn homeland. 
Third-year Clifton firefighter Oleg Skatchko emigrated as a teen and approached his fire chief about leading a regional effort to gather much-needed turnout gear, equipment, and medical supplies and send them to Ukraine. The response so far has been overwhelming. White Marsh, Pennsylvania firefighters heard about the effort and decided they needed to get involved. Wayne Masters, chief of the Spring Mill Fire Company in White Marsh, spoke to Philadelphia's 6ABC. Our way to give back in, in, in some fashion. Uh, volunteer fire companies, we want to give back to the community in any way that we can, and maybe this is giving back in a little bit more than just the local. About seven full sets, and then we have some extra helmets and boots and things like that that hopefully can go to good people. As gear keeps coming into Clifton, it will be flown to Europe in lots and will be transported into Ukraine by ground. A Southern California firefighter is also working hard to organize efforts to help in Ukraine. San Miguel firefighter Eric Hill began trying to get firefighting equipment donated to firefighters in Ukraine and then realized rather than just sending equipment, why not just go? So he put out a call on social media asking not only for donations, but for firefighters willing to go to Ukraine on a relief mission. Hill spoke to San Diego CBS 8. I'm going to be the first one to step foot in country. Uh, I've been deployed twice with the U.S. military, so I've been in combat environments and hostile environments. The Children's Hospital was, a, uh, you know, yeah, it, kids at a hospital, maternity ward. They're there to get aid, they're there to get care, and, you know, they hit a, ho a hospital with it. And that's where, again, we can get over there and assist with that. According to Hill, firefighters from all over the U.S. and Europe have reached out and about 65 have signed up. Hill says donations are still needed to support the efforts of those wanting to go help. And finally, a Denton, Texas firefighter beat the odds once by returning to full duty less than a year after his leg was amputated. Now Gary Wyland is pushing limits once again by trying to become an American Ninja Warrior. The 42-year-old father of four will be competing next week when the show comes to San Antonio. Wyland spoke to Dallas-Fort Worth's NBC5. I'm actually going to compete on the show uh, in a couple weeks, March 23rd in San Antonio. People are like, man, you've been training like three hours a day, seven days a week, getting ready for Ninja Warrior. And I'm like, man, I'm 42 years old. Like, I work out for two hours and I'm exhausted for three days. <laughs> if I win it, great, you know, a million dollars. I could pay off a couple bills with that. Uh, but honestly, I, I'm stoked to be able to get on the big stage and share with people a little bit about my story and how I was able to adapt and overcome. Wyland's leg was amputated in 2018 because of a post-surgery complication, but he returned to duty just 10 months and six days later. Wyland is hoping to advance through the rounds in San Antonio and eventually make it to the finals, which will be held in Las Vegas in May. From the NEP Media Network, this is the March 18th, 2022 edition of Fire News Now. Remember to follow and download Fire News Now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you the next time.